were clothes to wear She puts on her makeup She brushes her short hair And then she'll ask me Do I look alright? And I said, no, biatch that's right friends it is another impeccable episode of liquored listings coming at you today and that my friends was the rock singing a nice little harmony to our once presidential candidate uh hillary rodham clinton i I, I thought he was singing it for me (laughs) I, i you know i felt i felt goosebumps did you? I mean, it was a really, really <laughs> great rendition, and it's such an honor for her to have such a uh, stage to be on. So, God bless you, Rock, for putting that out there and making sure how horrible Hillary looked that night. Welcome, friends, and if you didn't hear already, we have that guest uh, that you've all been waiting for in the show that you've been waiting for. That's right. This is the greatest WWE wrestlers of all time with my f- good friend and spectacular host of his own show, Game Politics. Welcome, Raven, to the show. Thank you for having me, man. I am absolutely 100% excited about this show. I've been waiting for a couple weeks. Our, our schedule's been kind of mixing. I've been, I've been, I kind of disappeared from you guys for a little bit, but I'm back. And uh, I, I jumped at the first chance right as soon as you told me that you were going to do a podcast on the greatest wrestlers of all time. I begged you. I, I offered you thousands of dollars just to come on this program so I can talk to you about the best wrestlers of all time, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. This is going to be one of the funnest shows. You guys, if anybody else, the, the good news is, Raven, is that 68% of my listeners are men right now, so we won't alienate all the ladies out there. But ladies, trust me when I tell you, Wrestling was the greatest thing, greatest sports entertainment for the adolescent male growing up. And I'm going to guess ahead of time. Besides besides, besides me and Joe. I mean, come on, ladies. We're we're entertaining, too. Right. So this is right up our alley. I'm just going to I'm going to take a guess here that your favorite generations aren't the modern generation. I'm going to guess it's probably earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we we have we have a little bit of like different eras in wrestling that kind of took a whole different direction. But back in the fifties and sixties, that's where it really got its start on the storyline, the creation of characters. What, what some of your favorite characters of like the fifties, sixties and seventies. I mean, I really just always come back to Andre because he was the giant that started over in Lithuania and then he became more of like a novelty act because he was, I mean, he was impossible to be in like a real wrestling match. So there's always had to be a storyline. Like he went undefeated for like 17 years in his younger years before he ever uh, moved over to the WWF. Hey, this so dude was a beast. I mean, what, what was his height? It was over seven foot easily. Yeah, they said seven foot four, seven hundred, six six seven hundred pounds, but I mean, probably like seven three, seven four. 
uh, and probably around 500, 550 pounds. The man was just a massive human being. He once drank 120 beers, and this is liquor listings. So you know he's going to get a vote on my list. Just going to give you the heads <laughs> up, guys. Andre the Giant was and he, a and machine. He, and literally, he, he, was, he was the one of the best guys, one of the best normal, everyday guys that you could possibly meet from the stories that other wrestlers have told. Yeah, and if you ever get a chance to watch his story, um, I'll go a little bit further into it, but there is a documentary on HBO that's all about the Giants. So he was just my man when I first he was the first one I really got introduced to wrestling with with uh him and Hulk back in the early WrestleMania days and that's where it, we got to give credit to where it's due with someone like Vince McMahon that really brought it all together and put it into a package that was sellable to everybody because wrestling used to be broken up into different quadrants around the country like was, you wrestled in the like, northeast it was kind of like the NFL you know you had the AFC and the NFC, but it was more, it, it was a lot more complex with wrestling because you had, you had all these wrestlers uh, under contract with these different programs and these programs were trying to um, basically monopolize the whole entire uh, country. And Vince McMahon is the one who did it. He's the one who succeeded and and took and took over all of those uh smaller venues right he essentially bought up all of the regional contracts and put them all under one shell and that way you could uh, broadcast it nationally and it really just exploded the popularity of of wrestling do you remember the did you ever go to a wrestling event i never i never did no i my first one i believe was in like 88 or 89 and the the lady about two rows in front of me, I think we were we were about six rows deep, but she actually got spit on by the big boss man when he got hit in the turnbuckle. He let out a big spit and it landed on her about four rows deep in the crowd. It's so different being there live. You're so up close and personal, and you see how much of giants these people are. They are actually they're athletes. I know I know it's choreographed, but these people are insane athletes. They're stuntmen. That's uh, that's literally what they are. They're stuntmen, and they are an expert in in that type of fighting arena to make it look real. To uh, and they're great actors. I mean, you have uh, the George the Animal Steel. He, you know, in his personal life, he was a teacher. He was a he was a high school teacher, and he was also an actor who played in many men, uh, movies and on on stage. Uh, you had a, a lot of different walks of life. I mean, you look at Andre the Giant. Uh, he couldn't find work anywhere because of how fucking huge he was. And right. uh, he he did what uh, his his town, the jobs that, that his town would have, he would do those. And he was like, man, this isn't for me. And he finally got recognized on how big he was. And that, that's how he ended up starting wrestling. But... What, what was your favorite error? I know that we're going to disagree on this, but what, what was your favorite error in wrestling? My favorite era is actually the Attitude Era that came out of the late 90s, early 2000s. I thought it brought some of the best legends, the best acting. I thought it had some of the best characters. I thought it reached its pinnacle at that point and where the, you know, the, 
bad guys aren't necessarily bad anymore. They're good because they're going against the bad corporation of the McMahons. There were so many complex storylines. And when you had The Rock, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin, all these guys out there playing their different roles, I thought it just finally brought it to a culmination of the greatest uh, era in the WWE of all time. Now, now you, you say that, and, and I agree, all of those wrestlers were fucking phenomenal, but uh, and, and they, they have a history in their page, but it, it also, during that era, it also closed the lid on the actual characters, the, the um, uh, you know, the earthquake and uh, the uh, Coco Beware and, and um, you know, Yokozuna, the under, you know, the Undertaker survived. He was the only one that kind of survived that era. But all of the other characters, like the Junkyard Dog, they kind of uh, went on the wayside and, and just took a step back, and and you had a different type of uh, a different type of play, so to speak, a different type of movie, you know. Right. Uh, but in part of that, though, you got to remember a lot of these guys were aging and no longer. I Coco Beware was my favorite wrestler when I first started watching. Because I and him and Jimmy Superfly, uh, Snuffer, yeah, that's another Ricky, character, right? Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I loved high flying acrobatic uh, fighters back in the day. Those were my favorites to watch. Then why in I the hell do you not like adult, the one two three kid? The one two three kid was absolutely insane to watch. You should, <laughs> he, he was great. He and, Brett, he and Brett the Hitman Hart had one of the greatest matches of all time that I'd ever seen. I did not watch it. I'll have to go back and watch that. Such a great match, so well choreographed, and they're two just excellent, excellent wrestlers, and they they fed off each other so well. Well, let me Such a great... let me tell you, uh, when we were doing, we we've been doing show prep for I would say two weeks now on on this podcast. So I'm hoping that this kind of gets a lot of uh, traction because we, you know, me and Joe, we we really went in depth for you guys on this this topic, and. I have to say that my favorite wrestling uh, experience of all time was the 1992 Royal Rumble. That was probably the greatest combination of matches I've ever seen in wrestling history. You had everybody from Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Undertaker, Andre the Giant, uh, Roddy Piper, Jake the Snake, a million dollar. I mean, you name it, you had it. You had it on that uh, Royal Rumble in 1992. It was absolutely insane and phenomenal. I mean, you look at the the when when Ric Flair, uh, when Roddy Piper came into that ring with Ric Flair, that was some of the best wrestling I've ever seen in my life. I mean, just pure entertainment from top to bottom. Top. To that bottom. one started out with. Uh, the British Bulldog coming in in the one spot. And if you don't know how the Royal Rumble works, every two minutes a new superstar comes in. And at the end, after 30 wrestlers, whoever is the last one standing wins the crown. And so Ric Flair actually drew the number three seed. And without, I mean, I'll let you give away the rest of the story there. But Ric Flair in there (laughs) with Roddy Piper. And those two just were at it for... Well over an hour. I, I well think, over an hour. I think he still holds the record, doesn't he? I believe so. That the longest, because Ric Flair ended up winning it, the longest ever inside the squared circle. 
I mean, this <laughs> this was it, it wasn't just to, about not to mention not to mention just the you got to understand how great of an athlete and stuntman they have to be to be in that physically demanding position for that long. I don't care who you are. That is just, I mean, an hour and a half in the spotlight, rustling, that, that's like exactly, getting your body thrown that, around. That was my exact point, was the fact that not only were they very good at what they did, but the, the, just, the, just the way they acted, the, the whole entire match was choreographed down to the T from when people entered the ring, and then you got to see, it was just like the Roddy Roddy Piper and the Ric Flair, uh, the first couple minutes that they wrestled. It, it was a phenomenal show that they put on. And then all of a sudden you had Jake, the, uh, you had either, I think it was either Jake the Snake. Yeah, it was Jake the Snake Roberts who came in and and he you could see his personality on, on his character. You could yes. see that he was the sneaky little slimy guy that he is. He, he, sit, he sit back in the corner of the ring and he allowed Roddy Piper and Ric Flair to continue to go at it and then all of a sudden when he seen a weakness from Roddy Piper he went in he went in for the kill and that that would that just showed his character then you had Macho Man Randy Savage and the Undertaker come in and you got to see them them doing their infighting and and the storyline well, behind do, them do you remember what Randy did when he first entered the ring and he came sprinting down he went straight for Jake the Snake Roberts because earlier Jake had slapped Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, remember he went straight yes. for Jake the Snake, and he would not let up the whole entire right. time. He would not let up with Jake the Snake, and the Undertaker was trying to uh, dis kind of disrupt that whole entire story. But uh, Macho Man stayed in character and just went after Jake the Snake the whole entire time, even after. They got thrown out of the ring. Uh, they still went at it in the uh, the little audience section. It, I'm right. telling you, <laughs> uh, that 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 wrestling was what it, it encompasses the perfection of what Vince McMahon did during that time. He perfected it. We also have to give a shout out to that particular one because we both just watched it recently, so we, it's very fresh in our heads. I want to give a shout out to the two ring announcers as well, uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby, Bobby the Brain. Brain. They did, and you know what though, uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that because if they would have played, if they would have said some of the things that they said during that uh, that broadcast, it wouldn't be played today. There, no, there was so no many, way. so many quips about, uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to get, it. I'm not even going to go there because it's your show. But there were so many quips that was so uh, uh, not politically correct, so to speak. Well, what was appropriate in 1990 is a little bit uh, less appropriate today. Let's <laughs> right. just put it that way. Right. But, so yeah. I, Here's another. I want to just throw out a couple more before we get into the list because this is liquor listings, and you know that's where we're headed, fellas. But I have a couple on here. I just want to see if you remember a few of mine that I just want to give a brief message to. I remember a character named Ravishing Rick Rude. Do you remember him? Oh, gosh. I mean, he was like I, – I, I threw up a little bit in my mouth as a, a small little kid watching him. I'm thinking to myself – and then, of course – me and you, as kids, we did the ra ravishing Rick Rude move. We'd put our hands yeah. over our head. 
we'd sit there and swivel our hips around in circles and and we you know we did that in our underwear uh on, on top of our bed and yeah that that was an absolute perfect character yeah i mean and then he would kiss a lady in this in the stands yeah. on every show now i wonder Just i wonder if those funny, uh, funny i wonder character. if those uh women were actual actors or actresses or if they they were literally like legitimately a part of the audience Deep down, I really hope they were just members of the audience because that would, that would be make that amazing. character even better. And I've never even looked into that because I don't want to lose that that thought that <laughs> right. that was not staged. That was real because that would be the greatest character of all time if that is actually true because that is just hilarious. Just kissing random women in the audience. Well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do like a a little quick list before we get down to our five. Uh, just to you know, kind of reminisce about uh, wrestling. It, it, there's, there's, uh, of course, there's a lot of wrestlers that did not make the the top tier. But if you if you didn't have those wrestlers that didn't make the top tier, those top tier people wouldn't be here today. I mean, you know, you have you have uh, things like uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, Hulk Hogan would not be where he is today without Sergeant Slaughter or the Iron Sheik. I mean, those wow, yeah. those two wrestlers really put Hulk Hogan on the face of the map. Then you have like uh, your underlings, like the Earthquake. Uh, um, you have the Big Boss Man. You have the Million Dollar Man, which I, I would I would put him in the top tier. But uh, all all of those characters had such great storylines behind them that and they they created their own persona and they acted so good that you couldn't find me a, a, a you you could tell you could literally tell on the uh, bottom tier candidates of the wrestlers just because they didn't act very well and and right. People like uh, Jimmy Fly Snooka was a good wrestler for a reason, and that's because he he wasn't just athletic and acrobatic, which every single wrestler had under their belt. Every single person that stepped in in that match uh, in the ring, they they had some sort of athletic ability to them, but not everyone could act the way that Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and uh, you know. Um, uh, Tito Santana and Jimmy Fly Snuka, those were great, great fucking actors, and that's why they're they're literally the the in my top twenty twenty five greatest wrestlers of all time. Even though they didn't make the the cut of the final five, I'm gonna add a couple more to his that didn't quite make the list of ours, but really do need that mention because without, like he said, the, without those wrestlers, you don't get the top tier. You have to have them along the way. A lot of people that don't remember this guy, and he really should have been mentioned, uh, was Greg the Hammer Valentine. Absolutely, but mate. That dude he, was he, huge. I mean, he was huge. a massive man. <laughs> My goodness, just a massive man, and had his own finishing moves. And then you got to remember a few like what, wasn't uh, his wasn't his the figure four leg lock? Yes. Yeah. The master of the figure four leg lock. Yeah. Then you had Mr. Perfect that I loved. I think you, I think you know. he was probably if 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 Hulk Hogan could write a list of the greatest wrestlers, I know he's on it. 
Mr. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he had he had the finishing move of the perfect plex, where you, you know once he got that plex, he could pin you at the same time. He his, was his awesome. acting. His acting was phenomenal. Uh, absolutely yes. phenomenal. Uh, he did. He he supported the the cast in the best way. Uh, he was like he was like the man behind the scenes a lot in a, in a lot of the big matches. But he he just added to that. You know, he added to the excitement and to the story. Yeah, because he was one of those characters that was, you know, it was a true character. It wasn't like somebody trying to act. He was an actual actor at the same time. And then the last one I want to bring up, because I just loved what he did at the end of his matches, was Brutus the Barber Beefcake and just cutting your hair after he beat yeah. you. Just the ultimate humiliation at the end of a match. He's well, going to cut your hair. Let me let me ask you because we're you know there's going to be a lot of people that's going to say, you know, what about uh Jimmy Hart or what about uh Brother Love or what about Bobby the Brain Heenan, the the managers behind the scene that uh, you know uh added to the show. Those were very important part of uh, who who was it that um, that came out with Hakeem, uh, Mr. Slim, or or I, I don't know who that guy was, that black guy that that always danced and jived. I forget his name, but we are remiss if we don't mention uh, the Melt of the South, Jimmy Hart. Yeah, who was one of the other phenomenal managers that came. <laughs> there, there's no better the manager. Heenan. There's no better manager than Jimmy Hart, the Mouth of the South, or Bobby Heenan. No, there's not those, even those are the top two. Top two, and it, it would be hard to. I I would push Bobby Heenan over the edge a little bit just because he he wrestled himself, and right. and he incorporate he he was the bad guy. Jimmy Hart, he was the bad and the good guy. You know, he did. He was a manager for Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, and he was also the manager for a lot of the bad characters as well. Yeah, and if I'm gonna, I gotta add another to that list because obviously Miss Elizabeth. If we were doing the best managers and in scary the game, Sherry, I mean she had to be on that list of your top five if you're gonna add the managers in there. Oh yeah, and I'm tr- and I'm trying to remember the Undertakers. Uh, that was uh, oh. that that was uh, Paul Bear. Yeah, Paul Bear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was so creepy. So, and then he ended up with Kane, who's another great mention. Um, yeah, so we're we're going into some depth here for you people. We're really breaking it down. Fuck yeah. So what that means, guys, is we have to break forward because this is what you've Th- been this waiting This is the hard part. <laughs> it this is. This is literally is. the hard part, man. I, I'm going to lead off, and I'll let you get the glory of, the, of your number one last. So I'm going to start in right off the bat, and I'm going to go with my number five. And my number five is the character who wasn't Scottish or Irish. He was American, but he held Piper's pit. He was intercontinental champion numerous times. I think he held over, held over 37 belts during his career. The one and only Rowdy, Roddy Piper. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know what? We should have talked beforehand because that is literally my number five as well. Uh, I apologize, but yeah uh, roddy piper um he was a he he wasn't an american by the way he was not an american did you know well, that where no where was he from he was actually from Can- uh canada 
he was a oh, Canadian okay. <laughs> uh, wrestler and he was a comedian as well. And, and it shows, I mean, his character absolutely shows that he was like, uh, that, that was right up his alley. He was a comedian an actor, uh, but he was just best well known, uh, for the WWF appearances. Yeah. His show Piper's pit was a legendary pot part of it. Like every Saturday and Sunday morning, because that's where they, they would pit the other wrestlers against each other, sometimes himself against the other wrestlers. Sometimes he'd have two guests on, and there would be a lot of animosity that goes on with Pipe, uh, Piper's Pit because he was, a uh, like you said, a comedian. But he had, and this is actually what he died from, was hypertension. He had a heart attack, heart attack yeah. and it was from hypertension. That was just about five that. years ago. Yeah, you, you can see that just in his general persona. <laughs> So really his veins popped out, out of his character. neck every time that he talked. I mean, like the guy had so much energy. It was, I, I, I wish I had 10% of what uh, the energy that he had. Uh, you know, do you know that, that uh, Rowdy Piper was, um, he claimed to have golden gloves, uh, the golden gloves boxing championship. And he basically lied <laughs> to get into wrestling. I did not know that. Yes, yes. He, Fucking he, brilliant. He he ended up lying about, uh, he, he kind of lied on his resume, and uh, he knew that he was a big guy. Uh, he was a comedian, and he, he knew how to act, and he lied on his resume and said he, he had some fighting experience, which he did not, and uh, that's how he ended up getting into wrestling. And he was also... Um, during that time, he thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to make a name for myself in this, so I need to kind of get a fighting background uh, in, in my resume that's true. <laughs> so he ended up, he was <laughs> awarded the black belt in judo. He, that's, the, that's the fighting techniques that he knew. And it, and it kind of incorporated into some of his wrestling techniques because, you know, judo was... Uh, if you guys know what fighting is, judo is kind of like the um, the dirty side of martial arts. You know, uh, Roddy Piper, his his biggest and best move was the simplest and easiest move. It was the pluck of the eyes. He would he would basically took <laughs> take took his two fingers and plucked uh, the the his opponent's eyes out, and that was uh, one of his best character moves of all time in that royal rumble we were talking about earlier i think he did that about he did that like times three or four times people in that match <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh that was his favorite movie it was so good he uh do you remember that he was once president of the wwf I, no i did not know that that, that is yeah, fucking interesting yeah they gave gorilla because at that point it wasn't out in the open that vince mcmahon was the head Right back in the early '90s or through the '80s, early '90s and '90s, it was still they had a you know the fake president who was Gorilla Monsoon, but uh, Monsoon had to take a leave of absence because something happened. I think he got like attacked or something like that, like for real in real life. So they had to have an inter interim, and Piper had to uh, wrestle someone. It was either like Razor Ramon or the One Two Three Kid, someone back in the day. And the winner got to be the president of the WWF. So it was like a month long interim president. And his first act back then was to reinstate the ultimate warrior who had been kicked out of the WWF. I remember that distinctly. And 
That was almost the beginning of the Attitude Era, where he was like, fuck you and everybody else, I'm putting the Ultimate Warrior back in. Now, I believe he is the only person on my list that uh, did not hold a WWF championship belt. Uh, now, he did He did hold the WCW uh, championship belt, um, but the the only the only belt and title that he had with WWF was Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship, and he did okay. he did do the World Tag Team Championship as well uh, with Ric Flair. He was uh, Ric Flair's partner, and they held the belt uh, for that uh, too. But he was never a he was never a World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, though. Yes, you are correct on that. I wanted to make sure you did bring up the Intercontinental Championships because that was definitely on his resume. Uh, but yeah, on my list, uh, he's the only one that makes the list, and it's mostly because of the character that he was. So that that's a big testament that not even a full, you know, the heavyweight championship uh, champion, he still makes both of our lists coming in at number five. That's pretty damn impressive. So what so. is your number four? My number four goes out to a person that took a long time to really get his footing in the in the WWE. He ended up playing like three or four major different characters throughout his career, but he's best known now at the end of his career as the one and only Mick Foley, otherwise known as Cactus Jack. Now, I you, that that was the that was the air that I kind of stopped watching. So I don't know too much uh, about Mick Foley. I, I do know that uh, he worked he worked for many wrestling promotions before uh, he started getting into the WWF. Uh, he started promoting. He was more of a business side of it. That that's basically all I know about him. Yeah. So that it very he, smart he got guy. Into the business I mean, side. That, yeah. He was incredible. Like, like in real life, he's incredibly oh incredibly my, smart, and that's what a, a lot of the genius. other wrestlers talk about. Yeah, he, he's a he's a fucking genius, man. Right. Well, maybe that's why we're you know we like him as well because it's hard being this smart and dealing with the regular population. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, his my favorite character of his, and so he got to graduate into his own role as Mick Foley towards the end of his, end of his career. But his biggest character throughout the years was Mankind, and this was when those, that weird. Like this is when the Undertaker was huge. I, I, Do you remember anything about and, mankind? And I, I what I don't understand though, Joe. Maybe you can help us along. Is the fact that what I do remember of him, he he spent his time in a boiler room. You know, like a an actual boiler room. What? Yeah, how in the hell could he? he, he <laughs> that shows the a... genius of him because he incorporated a character out of a boiler room. And he became one of the best and, and greatest wrestlers of all time. How did he do that? Well, the thing is with him is he was overweight. He wasn't an attractive person. He wore a so tie-dye t-shirt. That's why they actually told him to wear a mask. So he came up with this character, Mankind, to be a tormented soul that could, you know, that could really fight and just go to take all the punishment in the world and still survive because he was basically... He lived with his pet rat in the boiler room, like George or something <laughs> like that. Um, and his, he remember his finishing move? Would he have a sock? I, and I stick think. It down I the, think that, stick it I, down the throat. Right. I think that he stole that though. He stole that from the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> Wherever it came from, it is well. The, 
that was with cash that was sock is even grosser uh, right do you, do you <laughs> right. really want mankind socks <laughs> in your throat um but one of my favorite matches with him was the steel cage match with the undertaker and from the top of the, like the top with the cage they're you know they're completely encapsulated they got to the top of the of the cage and he got thrown off and legitimately 18 feet onto a table and he really suffered some serious internal injuries during that fall yet still finished the match for another 25 minutes inside the cage this guy was an absolute balls to the walls never stopped and you're talking about an overweight 290 310 pound man and to be able to take that kind of fall unbelievably impressive and he there was one uh battle royal royal rumble where he came back as three or four different characters you were telling me about that i have to go back and watch that yeah and and it was too crazy for them to say anything about it do you know what i mean like well they're not going to get in the way he just comes keeps coming back in as a different character (laughs) keeps losing but still he had just so many over the top uh, situations, you know, he he fought everybody. He was always fighting the likes of Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, The Rock. He got, and the funny part is, he was the elder statesman at that point. He was another one that kind of survived with the Undertaker through that transition, when the old guard was giving way to the new guard, and that's why Mankind makes it onto my list at the number four spot. Well, I'm I'm kind of glad that you led into that because the Undertaker is actually my number four greatest wrestler of all time he he changed the dynamic of of what a big man was because you know the the majority of the big men that we had in wrestling during that time was andre the giant big john stud uh and uh what are some of the other i i I can't remember that guy that that had that skin tight suit on but it, it looked like it was like uh, a skeleton or kind of like muscles everywhere. Um, oh, yeah. I never got into that character. I remember exactly who you're talking yeah, about. He was yeah, a nu- and he the was other big man, we still had the big man like Yokozuna, Earthquake, big, uh, right, the big right. boss man. But, but but The Undertaker took it to a whole new level because not only was he big, but he was very acrobatic and he was very skilled at doing a lot of different stunts. And the wrestlers... If you could watch the 1992, and I know I keep going back to that, but if you can go back to 1992 and watch the the WrestleMania uh, of that year and the Royal Rumble, you can see some of the older wrestlers like Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, uh, Jake the Snake. They kind of passed the torch onto The Undertaker, and they, they, they knew how good this guy was, and so they passed the torch to him, and... Luckily, they did because he ended up becoming a tremendous, tremendous wrestler. Um, I believe that he was, I think, undefeated in, uh, was it every WrestleMania? Um, I'm not quite certain, but he was undefeated yeah, for a long, 20, long time. 21 straight WrestleMania victories. Right, and, and, that, that, and that still holds the record today. He was also, uh, he was a four-time... WWF WWE champion uh he was the world heavyweight champion three times uh the WWF hardcore champion one time he was a world tag team champion six times with Stone Cold Steve Austin 
Uh, he, he also had a tag team championship twice with the Big Show and once with The Rock and twice with his brother Kane. Now, I got to tell you, uh, when we go on to our number third topic, you're going to have to remind me because we're, we're going to get into uh, siblings. But there's a lot of siblings in wrestling, and, and more so than what I even thought. So who is your number third wrestler of all time? My number three goes out to the person that parlayed the WWE into one of the greatest acting careers of all time. And the reason I put him there, he introduced the show today, is because not only was he a great WWE champion, one of the most popular of all time, he was the funniest one-liner of all time. It is The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Number three in my book, and I couldn't see a list without him on it. I, I really was trying to find out, well, maybe I can pick some better people. But no, The Rock did everything, and he changed. He was, he, Stone Cold, and the Triple H, and The Undertaker was there during that time. But they changed, and they, in my eyes, were in the best era of wrestling. Now, because... where, where did he come from? Like, like how did he get recognized in wrestling like what what was his start so he was a football player in college and had then blew his knee out there was talk of him going pro when he was still in college he played for florida state and uh his father was a professional brother uh wrestler in the late 60s early 70s so he had grown up around that so he was all into the entertainment part of it, and he wanted to eventually become an actor. That was that was his goal. If he didn't make it in the NFL, he wanted to be an actor. So his easiest pathway to get there was through wrestling. And it's, the one thing you can always guarantee from The Rock is how hyped he can get a crowd. I mean, with that one eyebrow raised, the lines he would say about people, I mean, and that he was part of the beginning of the real catchphrase era. You know what I mean? Like people have catchphrases now. Yeah. Like, and uh, uh, if you what's that, what's that easy one? What the rock? Yeah. Cooking. Or, uh, that Daniel guy, that newer guy. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Right. <laughs> Which I thought I mean, was that, like the stupidest that, catchphrase that's ever. Terrible. But you know, like the Miz takes a lot after the rock and stuff like that. Trying to be that over the top personality. But there's really no, only no one, one. Yeah, no one can be the Rock, man. No one. No, he just had that natural charisma that really brought him to the next level, to the heights that nobody had ever really seen in popularity. I think at one time he was considered more popular than Hulk ever became. And but that, I mean, it's also because of population growth and how how big the WWE got. But his, I mean, percentage-wise, I think Hulk might have been the most popular of all time. But the, the Rock just had something, and he really knew how to get that crowd going completely. And, I mean, and I he, did a, he did a good transition from wrestling to acting as well. I mean, uh, he was one of the I, – I, I believe he's the only character that um, kind of broke out into the Hollywood scene and actually made, made it. I know that Hulk Hogan did a lot of uh, – you know, he did a lot of uh, movies – but they were kind of like kids' movies, and The Rock, uh, he wanted to do a lot of serious stuff. You know, um, what is 
what does that mean? He ended up doing uh, not Need for Speed. I'm thinking of video games here. Uh, what what's that uh, show with the race cars? That movie with the race cars. Oh, you're gonna put me on the spot here with Vin Diesel and yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, know, I don't watch those. <laughs> me, me neither. <laughs> me neither. But uh, he, he not, since, not since Paul Walker passed away. Right. Um, oh. Let me try to get that. Uh, but I mean, he's also. I mean, ultimately, he's considered now one of the A-list actors in Hollywood now. Oh he, yeah. He's in everything, and I I know this sounds corny and stupid, but I actually adore the Jumanji movies. I think they're fucking incredibly well done. I think he's awesome in it. Uh, with his with his little sidekick there, and uh, Kevin Hart. So it, I just think The Rock was so you can't keep him off a list because of how he was able to parlay and become basically the biggest name that wrestling has ever seen worldwide. There's nothing. There's been nothing bigger than The Rock like worldwide in all facets. He has become the icon, and what I like about him is he still comes back. And supports the WWE like he hasn't cut all ties with them. Like right. he remembers, he remembers his roots. Well, my my third on the, my list is the Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, his his actual name is Randall Mario Pafo. Uh, this guy, uh, of course, he he passed away about ten years ago of a heart attack. I that, that's sad. That all these all these great wrestlers die of heart attacks. Um, and it makes you wonder why. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, and we even had some trage- tragedies with, uh, I think it was Chris Jericho, um, uh, one of one of those wrestlers who killed his wife and kid. Uh, they yeah. blamed it on steroids. But uh, Macho Man, I, I believe that he probably died because of steroids. But he, he got his start. He was actually a baseball player, and he was signed by the St. Louis Cardinals as a catcher in high school. And that's, that's where he ended up uh, getting his start in sports. Uh, when he was 18, he began playing minor league baseball. And one of his teammates uh, on, in the 19, uh, 1971 Gulf Coast League uh, was Larry Herndon, who was also his roommate. And okay. Savage, yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage, he would swing a bat and into a hang, hanging car tire to strengthen his, strengthen his hands and utilize his legs during swings. This, this technique was so effective that uh, Larry ended up using it during his own career as a baseball coach. Uh, so that's kind of a little uh, tidbit for you on, on uh, the nerd side of wrestling. But, yeah, Savage was a great catcher in, in baseball. He... He played 289 games. It's, and not, not a lot of people knew that about him. Uh, but he was a great, great uh, minor league baseball player. He batted at a 254, which is pretty damn good. And he ended up with 16 home runs as a catcher. That's even phenomenal with 129 right. R- yeah. RBIs. But <clears throat> now he, he started uh, his wrestling um after his fall of, of he, he just knew he wasn't going to make it as a uh, baseball player. So he ended up uh, creating his own character uh, as the Spider-Man. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that switched. <laughs> right. He, he ended up, um, he trained with the Goose. I know that any any wrestler fan out there 
knows who Terry the Goose Stevens is. He was the one, uh, he, he worked with the Georgia Championship Wrestling, which that was a big, big uh, venue for wrestling. That's where Hulk Hogan got his start. Um, and uh, uh, one of his uh, best matches uh, went before he became a star was against uh, old Iron Anderson, uh, the Four Horsemen. And, oh, wow, Iron Anderson. Yeah. Uh, Tosh.0's Tosh favorite wrestler. So, so basically, he, he got started with uh, the Georgia Championship Wrestling, and uh, he became a star because of Iron Anderson. And then, you know, you have uh, – can, can you give me a macho man, Randy Savage? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, was his, that was his catchphrase, and it, it stood I, – I mean, talk about catchphrases. That one will stand at the test of time because – you can give, you know, you can smell what The Rock is cooking all day long, but uh, every single wrestling fan is going to know, oh, yeah. I mean, and then also the Slim Jim commercials. I mean, the guy did it right, and he was he was by far one of my favorite characters to watch in the ring, outside the ring. He had a great uh, cast around him with Sherry, uh, Scary Sherry as his manager, uh, and then also the beautiful, probably the most gorgeous woman in wrestling, which was Elizabeth as his manager. And the storylines was incredible uh, with, with Hulk Hogan and Jake the Snake, uh, The Undertaker. I mean, he, he really did a good service for Vince McMahon and the WWF organization. But uh, you, you were a genius on this topic what was the fallout do you know what the fallout between him and this vince mcmahon was with vince i'm not entirely i can tell you all about the feud with hulk and that started back in like uh wrestlemania four or royal rumble in like first where hogan accidentally eliminated him but then in WrestleMania 4, they were teams, and they're, I forget who they were fighting, something like the Twin Towers or something like that. And Elizabeth got hurt during the match, and instead of Macho Man being able to help her, Hogan carried her out, and that turned the feud with him and Hogan into this big thing. And that's, see, Randy was the heavyweight champion at the time, and he held it for well over a year until he finally lost it the next WrestleMania uh, back to Hogan. So that's where that feud comes from. Him and McMahon, I do forget that one because there was a brief period where I where I went out of the uh, wrestling and I got brought back in when The Rock and Stone Cold and those guys came along. So I think that was probably during that time frame. And that's when Vince was really coming on the scene. I, I know that it had to, I know that it had to do something with Vince McMahon's uh, projections on where the storylines were going to go. And I, I know that a, a lot of that had to do with the Ultimate Warrior. And I think that Savage was saying that basically Ultimate Warrior was not going to be an upcoming uh, phenomenal wrestler. And I, right. I know that there was kind of like a tit for tat. And Vince McMahon basically... Um, I, I don't know the complete storyline. I was hoping you'd help me with this, but I think that somewhere on the, on the lines of Vince, uh, Macho Man didn't want to hand over the trophy to the Ultimate Warrior, and that's when he ended up retiring from uh, the WWF wrestling. 
So but that it, it had something back. I remember like Sergeant Slaughter beat uh they he beat the ultimate warrior because Randy Savage intervened. That's right. And yes, I remember I that. He he hit him with something. I can't remember and it wasn't even a chair or something like that, but he put him back in the ring and and uh Sergeant Slaughter was able to pin him. I can't remember exactly what it was, like a scepter or something along those lines. It was. Uh, I think it was his own. It was his own scepter. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I forget a lot of these going back, but I'm trying to like recall them and how many how many episodes of wrestling I've watched over the years. But that's what's really bring, ringing a bell. You know, and, one of the one of the most interesting things I think about Macho Man was uh, his brother uh, was the genius. You remember the genius character? I do remember the genius. I that, didn't know that was his brother. That is his real life brother. That yeah. is interesting. Yeah. I, that, that brings up, you know, another one that we didn't mention earlier. You were saying that earlier about uh, brothers. So you had Brett the Hitman and Hart and then Owen Hart, who tragically passed away. They were another huge combination of uh, wrestlers. I don't know if you remember both of those. Yeah, you obviously remember Brett the Hitman. Hart, I, I Owen remember Hart's... Owen and Jimmy. I, I know all of them. Uh, uh, what was the third brother? His name was Jimmy, right? The Anvil. Anvil. Yep, Jimmy the Anvil yeah. Hart. Yeah. Um, but remember, Owen was the one that fell from what was it like thirty-five or fifty uh, feet was, up in uh, the air? Maybe even he was higher. Doing a... It was crazy. Yeah, he was doing a stunt at some major production, and they had to shut down the production. And then they, he because, ended up dying that night. Yeah. Yeah. He passed away that night. So crazy to think about. I mean, these people do put it all online for our entertainment. And these, these stunts are legit and real and can end up in, in serious consequences for so some of the, some the stuff they your, pull. So who is your number well, two? I have to, I tossed and turned and I kept going back and forth on this, but I gave way to my number one. So my number two is the the basically the creator of the modern day because he's the one that gave Hogan his real shot where he passed the torch of wrestling. It's Andre the Giant. Without him, I don't think I don't think there's a WWE without Andre the Giant. I think he was such a force, such an attraction. It's he was the main goal of Vince McMahon to get he to was. get WD off the ground. Yes, absolutely. He was the biggest star in wrestling. And as we've mentioned already, we've covered him a little bit already, but the man, he was just an immovable object. And when you really watch wrestling, that's what made the, the, when Hulk Hogan body slammed him, that sent WWF to the stratospheres. He was, he was literally called the eighth wonder of the world. That, that was his nickname. And, and he had a he had a disease. It was called uh, acromegaly or whatever. It was basically the yeah. gigantism disease that made him his his uh, hormones were uh, didn't allow his body to stop growing. And right, there was pressure on a gland that keeps you growing. And that that's why he died at a early age, a young age at forty six. And uh, he had a lot of health issues due to that uh, disease. Right. And a lot of people, you know, that are listening right now will just remember the older version of Andre. But if you ever take the time to look back and watch some of him, his clips in the 70s when he was wrestling, 
the guy was agile. He was scary. He was mean. He did a uh, an actual box, boxing match. I forget. It was against a pretty famous boxer. And it was a wrestling match versus like kind of like they did in uh in the Rocky movies, but it was actual for real. And the announcers were like, because it was kind of like supposed to be almost staged. And the boxer ended up hitting Andre a couple times. And uh, that was it. Andre got mad. Well, you know, <laughs> Just, there there's only a couple wrestlers that are are talked about in in among other wrestlers and if if you knew anything about wrestling Andre the Giant was the number one conversation uh between him and big, uh what what was his name uh the other big guy um uh big, big Kong Bundy. big Kong Bundy uh oh King Kong Bundy King, yes King Kong Bundy those were the two wrestlers that Hulk Hogan said when you stepped into the ring with them, it doesn't matter if it was choreographed or not. You felt it. <laughs> you felt it after the very next day because they were the hardest wrestlers and they wanted they wanted you to put your A game on and and basically give the people the show. And back in the late 70s early 80s when when Andre the Giant was in his prime like you could see that this shit wasn't completely fake <laughs> i mean no like they fucking went at it you know and they put on a good show and that's why he was one of the greatest because no one absolutely how many how many uh how many times did he go undefeated uh throughout his career well, he spent like 17 years undefeated. Yeah, 17 before he years. Ended up. And it yeah. shows. I mean, it, 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 there wasn't a reason why. They they didn't do this on purpose, people. I, I mean, they, they no. did, but they didn't. It, it was because if if you stood anybody up in the ring uh, with Andre the Giant, there was no logical way that he could lose to that person that was in the ring with him. Just no logical uh, way. I'm trying to remember the exact person because I remember the documentary, but uh, there was one of the wrestlers that wrestled with him that he would... So he was famous for like his slaps on your chest. That was one of the main things he would do. Right. And it looked it looked like in his hands, I mean, he would completely encapsulate a beer butt like a... I mean, that's his big hands were just... He was a giant. I mean, and they said that if you weren't doing what you were supposed to do in this match, those slaps became real and you would smarten up real fucking quick <laughs> and get back into the fucking match that you're supposed to be doing with Andre because he would make those slaps actually hurt. Like it wouldn't be pulled. He would get you good. That's I mean that's why everybody loved him. They he expected the best of the best. And him passing that torch because when he got body slammed by Hogan, he was at the end of his career, his body was run down. And uh, to take that for the whole glory of wrestling, to take that body slam at his weight, that's just dedication and what makes him so iconic to the world of uh, wrestling. And I can't imagine where it would be. And remember the movie, The Princess Bride with him? I mean, legend, legend, Andre the Giant, guys. That leads us, who is your number two, Raven? My number two, uh, I'm going to have to give it up to uh, 
Well, uh, let's let's do a recap. We had uh, number five as the um, Roddy Piper. Roddy, yeah. And uh, your number four, Mick Foley. Mick Foley. Mine was the Undertaker. Your number three was Andre the Giant. No, nope, no, the Rock. The Rock, right? And then we had Macho Man Randy Savage. My number two person uh, is Ric Flair. Uh, Ric Flair. Woo! Uh, that's right, baby. Uh, Ric Flair was the okay. So th- there's there's a lot of there's there's a lot of uh, mixed feelings about Ric Flair because you know we can. I had a really hard time struggling with this because it was between him and Brett the Hitman Hart, and I could have put Brett at three, four, or five. I just couldn't because I, I believe that Roddy Piper demands to be in the top five and a lot of people are going to give you hate mail for Roddy Piper being number five but his character is what made him was is what made him Roddy Piper Uh, Brett the Hitman Hart he didn't have really a character he was himself he was a uh, his family his whole entire family uh, was um, into wrestling yeah, the greasy hair and the shades. Yeah, that that was it. But Ric <laughs> Flair, Ric Flair, he wrestled with WCW, the World Championship Wrestling, and he also wrestled for WWF for a short time, but he was mainly in WCW. And WCW was kind of like the, um, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, it was kind of like the water. Minor leagues? It was the minor leagues. I, I wouldn't even say it was the minor leagues because... They had, they had, you know, the Four Horsemen. They had Sting. They had uh, Ric Flair. Um, and Basically, they had what, what the WCW had was some of the greatest, but they didn't have the whole cast that the WWF had. Right. So they, right. they were reliant upon the Ric Flairs and the Arn Andersons to, to keep them relevant. And if he had been in the WWE, I think he could have been potentially your number one. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rick Rick Flair, and, and I, know, I know that there's a lot of uh, he just quit the WWF. Uh, like there was a fallout between him and Vince, Vince McMahon about how the storyline. There he goes again. The the storyline he didn't agree with, so he ended up quitting uh, just here recently within the past couple weeks. Um, but Flair, this is why I have Flair as my number two. And it was really hard to put between him and Brett the Hitman Hart because I love Brett the Hitman Hart. I mean, again, without Brett, you wouldn't have uh, Yokozuna. You wouldn't have a lot of these other wrestlers. Um, and plus, his family was all into wrestling. His brother died wrestling. Uh, there's just so much rich history beside b- behind Brett the Hitman Hart. And love him or hate him, you can't deny that he's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. But I'm not here to talk about him. I'm talking about Ric Flair. The reason why Ric Flair is the number two on my spot is because he uh, he is recognized by WWF as a 16-time world champion. Uh, he held the belt. Uh, he was he held the belt eight times in the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. He was a six-time WCW World Champion and a two-time WWF champion. He was the best of the best all around and everywhere in every venue that he even got into. 
He was the best, period. He was the absolute best. He could, he could wrestle big guys, small guys. He could be acrobatic. He could be tough. And he, was, he, he could even be sly, kind of like the Jake the Snake or the Macho Man Randy Savage. He had that dirty side to him. And, of course, he had, what, what else did he have? Let's give it to us. Woo! That's right, baby. That that was the that was the just the persona. He 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 made rest every time that he was in a ring, you knew. You knew he was going to put on a great, great show for us. And uh the proof's in the pudding. Sixteen time world championship. That's why I have him at number two. The other thing you have to really love about Ric Flair is that he brought out that almost boyhood dream of being the playboy and he brought that to more so life. than ravishing rick rude <laughs> yeah he really did i mean the, he'd have the feather promos I, with limos this guy would come out with his pink fucking fluorescent fucking the feathers around his neck the feathers yeah i mean you had vince mcmahon do that or not vince mcmahon but you had uh who was the who was the guy the the minnesota governor um uh, Jesse the Body Ventura. Jesse B- Body Ventura. He always wore those feathers around his neck with the shades and everything. But when Ric Flair did it, uh, you paid attention. Yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, wait, he's still a man's man. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And the ladies are hanging off him. He brought that character to life. It was Ric Flair or nobody when he was in your town. It was Ric Flair. He was known for that, just being the life of the party. He, I mean, he demanded a room's attention. Like, he's the, even more so than some of the others on the list, he reminds me of the earlier versions of, like, of a rock or a Stone Cold where, you know, he is so entertaining and he's so, he's well-spoken. His interviews are classic and all eyes are on him, and he just it commands that attention. That's that's. I'm so glad you said that because that's when when you put okay, think of it this way, people. If you put let's say Hulk Hogan in the ring with a guy like Coco Beware or uh, Jimmy the Fly Snooka or Tito uh, San, uh, Santana, you put Hulk Hogan in the ring with them people and you gravitate your eyes towards Hulk Hogan the whole entire time. With Ric Flair, you put Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan in the same ring together, they basically, uh, he, Ric Flair demands you to look at him. <laughs> look yeah, at him. You, I mean, is, with as many Hulkamaniacs as there were out there back in the day, Ric Flair could still basically draw a 50-50, you know, like who you rooting for. And because. it wasn't just it wasn't just the fifty fifty. I mean, people went there to see Hulk Hogan, but when Ric Flair got into the ring, people were there to see. Okay, what the fuck is this dude up to? You know, like like he demanded that type of attention. Your analyzation on Ric Flair is bar none, uh, probably uh, out one hundred genius. Bravo, bravo. I, I appreciate it. Bravo. One last thing. One last thing on Rick. I just want to say is one he was incredibly technically sound but what made him so endearing at the same time was that he was kind of sneaky kind of sly and he has a hot daughter he would always do the no 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 and as soon as the opponent gave him a little leeway he would take that opportunity to do something underhanded absolutely always, always had an angle 
that's what I'm. He always had an angle. He was so entertaining to watch. God bless Ric Flair. What a what a awesome selection at number two. And you know what that leads us to, guys. That's right. It is the culmination of every show. It is the reason you tune in. This is our number one selections. Here it is coming in from Big Earn McCracken. My number one. Oh yeah, guys! Who That's right. That is your is one that? and only Stone Cold Motherfucking Austin. This guy had it all. He was so entertaining. This is liquor listings. This guy drank beer after every single match that he won. He would just pound beer after beer. I'm telling you, <laughs> this guy was the just. I mean, come on. What else could be my number one on liquor listings, right? Well, I, Stone Cold was in the air that I stopped watching just because the the characters. I was kind of saddened to see, uh, you know, people like Junkyard Dog and all these guys take over. But if there was anyone, if there was any person that was going to change the direction of WWF, it would be Stone Cold Steve Austin. This man had the ultimate feuds with uh, Vince McMahon. Ended up taking over the company, constantly insulting his daughter, his son. Uh, he ended the career. I re- I can almost remember him word for word. He ended the career of Jake Roberts. This was like when, when Stone Cold really put himself on the map, and uh, he was like, "You you sit and thump your Bible and you say your prayers, and, and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms." Talk about John 316. This is Austin 316. And I just whipped your ass because Stone Cold <laughs> said so. And now, he was fucking. Now, you know, boom. you know, let, let's take the listeners back to the early time of, of Steve Austin. He was actually a wrestler in WCW. That's where he got his start uh, with the Dangerous Alliance. Uh, and that That's the basically the group that he was in. He was called the Dangerous right. Alliance. And his name was Stunning Steve Austin. And it was a, a name and gimmick he later couldn't commit to. And uh, so he ended up uh, changing his persona to Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, in well, uh, yeah, WWF. That, that time in his career was definitely, if he looks back on it, I'm sure we'd be like, that's definitely a low point of where I was. Because he was trying to almost emulate or imitate the success of like that good-looking Ric Flair style, which that wasn't him. You know what I mean? Right. When you when you act, that's why people certain people get cast for certain roles in actual movies. When you're an actor at the same time, you kind of still have to use your own personality in there as well. And he didn't suit that role at all. But when he comes out as the Texas Rattlesnake, you know what I mean? The Just a hardcore motherfucker that, you know, drinks beer with a shaved head because you remember he used to have that like long blonde hair back in those days yeah yeah and and he he also uh he, you know the he, hollywood he did, blondes he did he did a lot of a lot of good wrestling before his his character he he ended up defeating bobby eaton and bobby eaton is one of the premier wrestlers of all time he's in the top 50 greatest wrestlers among the uh Everywhere you go, you you'll hear Bobby Eaton being one of the right. uh, wrestlers. He ended up 
uh, beating him for the WCW World Television Championship. So, uh, you know, WCW put Stone Cold on the map, and uh, it ended up with him losing. Uh, and, and so he, when he ended up losing his championship match, guess who he lost it to? I don't remember. It was it was Ricky the Steamboat. Ricky the Dragon. Yes. Wow, and, and so, that's bringing so back he, some knowledge right there. Absolutely, and, and that's the thing about Stone Cold was the, the fact that he wrestled some of the best wrestlers of all time before he was even famous. Yeah, well, he's been in the game for a long, long time, and he, he just never really got it going until it was actually in the ECW where he actually – took off oh that's yeah. When he, yeah that's that's when he switched over to the stone cold persona because really if, got him if, if everybody can in. remember you had you know the the wcw was kind of like fading away and so a lot of these other uh corporations were like okay we need to capitalize this and see if we can uh take away some of their talent so the ecw ended up starting in 1995 i believe and right. Stone Cold debuted with the ECW um, and uh, started wrestling with them in 1995. And then when he joined WWF in 95-96, uh, uh, the story's there, man. I mean, he uh, just, I mean, he just took off. He, I mean, he was a rocket ship when he joined the WWF or WWE at the time. Uh, he's the only one that's won four Royal Rumbles. I mean, that's a pretty impressive feat in its own. Just, to, I mean, his famous move, the sharpshooter, or uh, no, but that's when uh, uh, what's his name Hart locked him in on a sharpshooter. But uh, the guy just Brett, endless, Brett the endless in the talent, but the salesmanship that he had brings him to that superstar level that brings me over the top with him. Numerous world uh, WWE champion. His knee was always an issue. He was getting up there in years when he was finally in the WWE and still maintained that for a good a good 10 years, fighting amongst that next generation. You know, they include like John Cena and Brock Lesnar. And so this guy was just all around. He's technically sound. Great. That's not where I always look to as, as a wrestler. The man could sell a show and sell out a stadium and can sell out anything. And his interviews by far, I think are the best ever that wrestling's ever produced. When he gets on the mic, it it's the most entertaining. The You know how many times he's stunned like someone in management in the WWE where he like distracts him or he'll hand him a beer and distract him, then kick him in the balls, and then give him the Stone Cold Stunner. And well, I, I love I love the fact that he incorporated everything into his show. I'm talking like um, buses. He would he would he would like tour buses, um, uh, trucks. He would inc- uh, Harley's. He would incorporate Zamboni. Yeah, the Zamboni. <laughs> I mean, he incorporated every single bit of of background it doesn't matter if it's a chair or if it's a fucking vehicle he he took and used that whole entire scene to his advantage and and put a storyline that encaptivated every single person watching uh wrestling then uh there, there were there was a time when vince mcmahon was in the hospital and stone cold comes in as the doctor dressed up as the doctor 
and then hits him over the head with a bedpan. That and is just amazing. Starts beating Absolutely him up. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> I mean, his character was just so much fun to to love and root for. I think that's why he reaches my number one because as much as I love The Rock, the you know Andre, all the others on the list, I found myself rooting for Stone Cold every single time he was on my screen. Well, a lot of you're going to get a lot of hate mail for this. I mean, when when Twitter blows this up, you're you're going to get a lot of people. When we start putting these into these uh, wrestling feeds, you're you're going to get a lot of people that's going to be disagreeing about your number one. You do know that, right? Well, that's the bottom line because Big Earn said so. Well, I, I'm telling you, I have <laughs> I have with me my number one, which I know that all of the wrestling fans out there, everybody in Twitter, they're going to side with me, Big Earn about the number one wrestling championship of the world, hands down. Please don't tell me who I think it is. Just listen, baby. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What you gonna do, brother? Yes, yes, and yes, I understand completely. Paul Hogan is wrestling. I am telling you right now, there is nobody bigger and better than him. When that music plays, let me play it one more time. When you guys listen to this music in the background, I'm telling you right now, everyone is on their feet. Everyone is cheering. Uh, it, his his introduction into his stage is the greatest introduction of all time an introduction that can last 10 to 15 minutes and no one can get tired of it his his pulling the sh- ripping his shirt off him him taking and putting his headband in his mouth chewing on it uh Hulk Hogan uh every part of Hulk Hogan was absolutely phenomenal everything from his wrestling matches Everything from his introduction, everything from his interviews, it re, wrestling would not be where it is today. Period. Without one person, we can give it to Andre the Giant. We can give it to, uh, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin. We can give it to Mankind, Undertaker. We can give it to all these characters, but Hulk Hogan is the reason why wrestling survived, and and I have to give it up to him because. He's the greatest of all time, man. It not only survived, but it thrived under under Hulk Hogan's reign, that reign of terror. When it comes crushing down and it hurts we, inside. We needed, we oh, needed yeah, we a hero. We, we needed a hero, <laughs> and he was the hero. We, we were going through, you know, you can remember back uh, in the matches against Sergeant Slaughter when Sergeant Slaughter was uh, for the Iraqis, and, and, and then Hulk Hogan would come into the match carrying a huge-ass American flag, and people were cheering it on. And, and then you had the greatest match of all time, which was what? What was the greatest the one, match of right. all time? WrestleMania one with Andre the Giant. No, WrestleMania three. WrestleMania three, three with all Andre the Giant. Now they did have uh WrestleMania one and two. I believe that they were the uh premier matches, but WrestleMania three was when Hulk Hogan ended up body slamming a six That's foot right. four, six hundred pound beast in Andre the Giant, and that was one of the greatest moments of wrestling history. 
the, the thing is with Hulk is he just had the fandom incredibly under his spell. It, it, I mean, I can't, I'm not going to lie to you as a kid. I was a huge, huge Hulk fan. I did. Who wasn't, I mean, him, him doing the wave to the crowd and then putting it up to the ear. Yeah. So it gets louder. Yeah. Then doing the flexes with his 17 inch pythons or 21 inch pythons running wild on you. I mean, and, and, and not only that, not only that, uh, Big Earn, but the, the fact that he uh, was in really actually entertaining movies, even though they, they kind of cited more so for the younger generation, but he incorporated, a, I mean, he was in Rocky. I mean, how, right. how phenomenal of a wrestler do you need to be to be in a Hollywood hit like Rocky? And he was a good, uh, I believe it was Rocky II. That he was in, or Rocky, yeah, Rocky was, two or three. It was two or three. Yeah, yeah I, I think and, it was two. No, two was Mister T, right? Uh, no, I, I, I think get him all was, mixed up. Maybe, maybe Mister T, and maybe he was in uh, the same Rocky as Mister T. So but his yeah, name was he Hun- did Hunter it, Lang or something like that. It it was a cameo cameo for Rocky three in in nineteen eighty two. He also did uh, a film that is one of my favorite films of all time. Which which is kind of cheaply made, but it was just absolutely amazing. Was no holds bar. Uh, that was absolutely amazing. And uh, yes, with Sylvester Stallone and Zeus. Oh no no no! Yeah, Zeus. Zeus Zeus. That's right. And Zeus even came onto the wrestling scene because of Hulk Hogan. Uh, yes. I mean, you. I cannot say uh, I. I have like a thousand thoughts in my head. Uh, right now about Hulkamania and what I mean there's so much about Hulk Hogan uh, from from taking your vitamins every day to the Hulkamaniacs uh, to NWO when he was uh, when he switched to the WCW and he wanted to put on a bad guy persona so he ended up creating the group uh, NWO with Razor Ramon and Vin Diesel, or not Vin Diesel, but uh, Diesel and a couple of the other wrestlers. I mean, this guy could entertain like no other, and he still can. I, I, I just wish that he was at a younger age. So, so my kids. Well, this goes see. all the way to his lawsuit, too, for his sex tape. The guy has been in the news for his well, whole it, entire career. It, it wasn't just his sex tape, but he was also, uh, he had to, um, he had to, go in front of Congress and do those secret, uh, they, they weren't really secret um, uh, meetings, but they, they were public meetings, but he had to go under oath and, and testify uh, against the WWF about the steroids. Right. I mean, there was just so much to his career that um, you, you sit there and read his whole entire biography and you're thinking to yourself like, my gosh, this dude had to deal with a lot of shit in his life you know um when, uh, and then he when had I his think own about reality Hogan, he had his own th- reality tv show i think about the fact that during his heyday 85 to 90 percent of the crowd were hulkamaniacs and that's just pretty much all you have to say about hulk hogan i mean he had the crowd by the palm of his hands and not only did he resurrect and, or not resurrect, but he just made the WWF, WWE into what it was. 
without him, without Andre passing the torch. But after Andre passed the torch, he took over for a seven-year stretch that's never been seen. But he didn't just let it go. Like you said, he went and he turned heel and he became the bad guy and he had the black facial hair at that time. And Joe, and you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't just about that. It wasn't about his days in WWF or his days in WCW. But Hulk Hogan really... It wasn't just an accident that he was put there. Uh, he had a great personality. He could act. He could get the crowd into it. But he was a hard worker. I mean, uh, you look at his early years. He he ended up starting with the WWE, um, WWF in 1979. That was when he, he wrestled Andre the Giant for the first time. Uh, but he also quit for a, a small time. Uh, with the WWF, and he went to wrestle in Japan. And uh, so he was in the New, New Japan Pro Wrestling Association. He went to the American Wrestling Association. He went to the AWA. And then he finally returned back to the WWF. So he ended up getting a lot of experience and a lot of uh, technique um, out of that. And it was just by chance that he ended up becoming a wrestler in the first place. Uh he, he started wrestling in Georgia uh, at these little rinky-dink high school uh, uh, auditoriums, and that's how he began. He was a nobody. He didn't have any money. He didn't have any uh, uh, superstardom before he was a wrestler. He was just an average, big, uh, rough guy, you know, and he made the career that he made, and he's, he's a, a multimillionaire for it, and that's why he he's the greatest of all time, I think. Well, there you have it, guys. I mean, he has quite the argument there, and I don't know. That is this is such a debatable topic, and I'm sure we're going to get a lot of people getting in and getting involved. Maybe just writing me and telling me how bad my list sucks. Paul's the program right now. Paul's the program <laughs> right now, ladies and gentlemen. And start sending your hate mail to Joe about how much he is wrong during this show. I I love it all. Go ahead and give <laughs> me the shit because I'll even put you on the air. That's that's as good as it comes. Yeah, I would um, love that. I would absolutely I, love that. You I know, have you no, do the, no qualms with that. I, I've done the, that before in the past. But here's the thing. Hold on one it second. Is, you could do a top five list of your uh the best hate mail and put each each person in in their own little segment <laughs> oh i can certainly do that yeah that'd be awesome show <laughs> i can certainly do that um, but uh, here's the thing when it comes to wrestling there is no right or wrong answer unless unless you have um let's say virgil as your number one so, you know, let's <laughs> yeah, let's, let's let's be honest, guys. There's a lot of a lot of great wrestlers out there, and there's reasons why we love them all. There really is. It's it's such a fun, entertaining sport, and I am so happy that we got to break this down and give the people something to debate. What are your final thoughts on this, Raven? Well, I look again when you told me about your show ideas, and we were just we were just casually talking. It wasn't it wasn't really about uh, business or anything like that. But you 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 mentioned nonchalantly, and it wasn't like, "Hey, what do you think about this idea?" It was just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my next couple shows. Uh, I'm gonna do like a romantic comedy." 
Uh, and I thought, you know, that that's going to get a lot of female listeners. They're going to love that. And then, and then nonchalantly, yeah, and I'm, I'm also going to do like a wrestling one. And my ears popped up. I, they perked right. up. And I was just like, please, I beg you to let me on this show. Let me do this show with you. You cannot let anyone else do this. I don't care if your guest is Hulk Hogan. You're going to have to pass him and take me <laughs> because this was one of the best topics that I honestly – I love your other shows, and my my favorite my favorite show. Surprisingly, you're you're probably gonna be shocked by this, but my favorite show that you've done was about the the old west and the gangs. I learned so much from that uh, from that episode, and and you were yourself, man. You were just drinking a beer, telling stories. It was absolutely phenomenal. But this one is going to be your best, not just because I'm in it. Of course that. I mean, that's 50% right there. But <laughs> just the topic, the knowledge that you have about the wrestling, the passion, this is going to be your best show that you've ever created in, you, in your entire lifetime. Well, I appreciate it. That's why I wanted really to be a over. part of it. <laughs> Dude, it definitely went over swimmingly, even though I was right on the majority of the uh, list. <laughs> you definitely you definitely put in... Again, Liquored Listings. Go to (laughs) Joe's Twitter page under Liquored Listings. uh, That's L-I-Q, whatever, U-O-R-E-D, Liquored Listings. Give it, just let Joe know that I'm right about absolutely everything. (laughs) Just let him know. Give him some hate mail. You can also go to his, uh, uh, people can record voices to your uh, podcast and you can incorporate those in. If you go to anchor.fm forward slash, is it liquored listings? Uh, Joe Blanche. Joe Blanche. J-O-E-B-L-A-N-C-H-E. Go ahead send, and yeah, give send me a, him a voice message. If you, if you do a voice message, <laughs> I will most likely get you on the air on a future show. If you want to be on the show and discuss any topic, go ahead and look me up on Twitter under liquored listings, or you can search for me on the line app under the name Flung Dung. I also, because I know you guys love these shows, I want you to check out a different show. It's called Game Tech Politics. This is from my good friend Raven, who's no, no, no. been trying to school I, me I, I, I all day long. I appreciate the plug, but let me let me. Can I can I do something? This was without your permission, but I'm going to do it anyways. I know it's your show. I apologize, okay, beforehand, but I, I'm I need people to understand something. I've been, uh, Joe, how, how many years have I been doing this in this business with radio? I, ever since I was a long, 19. A long time. Yeah. I, on, the, doing, on the air now for over two years right. on the podcast alone. So for the last two years, I know what good programming is. I, I've been with some of the best programmers. My dad's a musician, right, Joe? Um, Joe's seen the pictures. He's seen who I hang out with. I'm not trying to brag on myself. I'm not. This this What I'm about to say is for Joe. Joe, you know my experience. You know, you know when I say things, I don't say them because I'm out of bullshit. This this program is going to be one of the hottest, and, and I'll tell you why. Uh, there's nothing like it in in all the podcasts. There's nothing like this. There's nobody that's putting a list together of your favorite topics and talking about your favorite things, or or even. Uh, uh, a list of things you hate. Uh, there's nothing like this. And so I want everyone, 
if if you guys can, please, I, I'm I'm absolutely begging you, go over to his anchor page. His anchor, what is it again? Anchor.fm slash Joe Blanche. Okay, so I apologize, Joe, but I want you to take and donate to Joe. He needs to get a soundboard. He needs to start upping his game. He needs to take this to a whole different level, and it's only going to be with your help. Joe has bills. He has a life. He, he's doing this for you guys and for the enjoyment of himself, but I don't, I don't, I don't care. I, I think that he needs to take it to a whole new level because a lot of other people out there that get uh, time to themselves and they want to get away from crazy land and they want to get away from game tech politics, which talks about politics, which we all hate. This is a program for you. This this literally is the program. I'm not trying to sell you guys anything. You're here for a reason. You're listening to this podcast for a reason. Well, let's up his game. Let's see what he has What what he has. Uh, if, if he can take off with this, with your help. I'm sorry, Joe, but I am asking for donations here, man. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, man. $1.99, $4.99, it all goes a long way. It only does go to help. And every single penny, every single I, penny, I'm going to force him to get an audio mixer. He's going to have better guests on uh, other than myself. <laughs> and he's going to take this a long way with your help. I appreciate it, man. And it is, the sky's the limit with this guy's. I've grown 120% in a month. I told you. And it just, I told you. Did I tell it, you? Yeah, it, it's continuing. I started this in June. And, and I don't know if it, nobody's ever really tried something that I've done before. And this is my first venture even into the podcast world. So it's, a, it's exciting for me to get started. I have so many crazy and weird topics. I know a little about everything. So if you want to get on the show, definitely reach out to me and we can discuss anything and I'll let you be the star of the show, but I'll come up with a list and you'll be like, well, damn, the fucker can still come up with a list, even though it's not his right in his wheelhouse. So I, I encourage you to definitely reach out. We can definitely do more shows. Other than that, it is time to conclusively say that this may have been my greatest episode until the next one. So I want to thank you all for tuning in once again to Liquored Listings. Do me a favor. Live life out there. Smile, laugh, be kind to your neighbor. Don't drink and drive, but have a ton of fun in your life. Thanks again, Raven, for coming on the show. No problem. Have a great night, all, and we'll talk to you soon.